Welcome to She Inspires Me. I'm your host, Caroline Bruni, founder of She Inspires Me and Organize Curate Design. Launched as a Facebook passion project back in 2017, She Inspires Me was reborn as a podcast in 2020 to highlight the incredible women we all encounter in our everyday lives. Thanks to our key sponsor, Organize Curate Design, I welcome you to season two, another year of sharing the stories of inspirational women. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Just before we get started, I personally wanted to give you, our listener, a trigger warning. Today's episode will be discussing the subject matter of childhood sexual abuse as we are speaking with Hetty Johnston, who is the founder of Brave Hearts, an organisation who works in this space. As a survivor myself, I know that I find um, listening to this kind of content to be triggering at times. So I'm really conscious that you may also find the content difficult to listen to or maybe triggering. Um, so please be conscious of that um, before you get started and um, also be mindful that if you do need support, we do have some additional resources in our show notes if you, if you need that kind of support. Please also be conscious of who you're listening to the podcast with. Um, So if you've got little ones, you're in the car or anything like that, this may be one that you skip for later on. Thank you so much for that. And um, I hope that you enjoy the episode. Welcome to our first episode for season two, 2021 of She Inspires Me. Today I have with me Hetty Johnston. Um, It is such a pleasure to have you on the podcast, Hetty. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Now, as I always do with every single guest we have, I am going to share a little bit about you with our listeners. So I'll jump on in and share your bio with them. Um, So Hershey Johnston is the founder of Bravehearts Foundation, Australia's leading child protection advocate, and is the director of Bravehearts National Board. Hetty established Bravehearts in 1997, an organisation with a mission to reduce child sexual assault and exploitation in our society and a vision to make Australia the safest place in the world to raise a child. A born lobbyist, Hetty is a woman of passion and determination who has succeeded in highlighting the crime of pedophilia and child sexual assault to media, families, schools and the general community, both nationally and internationally. Hetty has spent almost 30 years being a voice for our community. She has succeeded in drawing attention to and inspiring positive change on issues such as environment, criminal justice, education, health, small business and child safety. She has crusaded for political accountability and been a passionate voice for Australians. Hetty is a much sought after speaker at local, state, federal and international levels. She has been recognised for her outstanding contributions to child protection with numerous awards and nominations over her career since 1996. Hetty works with government and non-government agencies on legislative reform, submissions, lobbying and research to improve child protection and political accountability in Australia. That is impressive. <laughs> like everyone's bio is impressive. Like we're always going to put the best of the best. <laughs> but um, uh, there's so many, so many things that I want to talk to you about today. And I know that I've already given you a bit of a guide on what we're going to chat about. But thank you, one, for me personally, for you being our first guest for season two. It's very exciting. And um, some of the, our listeners know that I am a survivor of abuse. And so, and, you know, I've raised some fundraise for Brave Hearts. I'm, I'm really passionate about the, the organization. And so to have you on as a guest is really special for me. So thank you so much. Absolute honour and a privilege. Thank you for having me. Now, now what I think we'll do to get to know you a little bit better, because so we've talked a little bit about 1996-97, but can we go back further? Can we go back to you as a child? Can you think of a childhood story or a point in your childhood or even teen- teenage years where you can share a story with us um, that can give us a bit of an idea of what you were like growing up? Oh, okay. What was I like growing up? Well, mum said I was a very, um, my mother, uh, I was very close to my mother. So I'm definitely, um, you know, very close with my mother. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not the kind of girl that goes out in the garden and digs holes. I'm, a, I'm one that plays with the doll. Like so, um, I guess there's that about me. 
I guess in terms of the rest of how my, the rest of my life goes, I wasn't, I didn't say very much as a child, believe it or not. <laughs> that will just make people laugh. Um, I have a very strong uh, uh, father and, you know, you, didn't, you just didn't have a voice pretty much. You just don't say very much. Um, won't really have a permission for a voice. So I didn't find my voice until later in life. But what I did find, um, I didn't find my confidence, I think, and I can't blame that all on Dad. I think that's just who I was. Um, I did find, we wanted to go to the Melbourne show. I mean, every, I, I'm a Victorian, grew up in Geelong. I went to school down on the peninsula at Queenscliff and I was in high school, lower grades of high school, about mid, middle high school, I think, and um, I wanted to go to the Melbourne show and I couldn't get there. I just couldn't get there. So what I did is, cut a very long story short, I hired two buses and took the school with me and um, and just sort of overcame. So we all went um, without our parents and had an absolute fantastic time. I made a bit of money. and um, <laughs> How I old guess, were you when this happened? Uh, I was probably about 14, something like that, 15 maybe, and just um, went to the principal and said, you know, we want to go and how do we, you know, I want to hire the bus. I, I used to go to school every day with the bus, so I talked to the bus driver. How does, how does a person hire a bus? And then talked to the principal about it, how I can make that happen. And he told me about permission slips and parents. And so we just did it all. And so I think for me, that's maybe that's the story about determination, I think, and never give up. And then that bus went to that show for about three mm-hmm. or four years till I finished school. It's probably still going. I don't know. But um, it was a nice little money earner for me. And I think the first insight into the, um, you know, just, I don't know, determination, I suppose which is key to the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But even the insight to 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 think, oh, well, I can't go to the show for whatever reasons, but not only um, am I going to find a way, but I'm going to bring others along for the journey. And I, and I think for me, with what I do know about you, that seems to be a running theme. Um, it's, it's amazing to go it alone and, and, and to find a way when you have a hurdle or a whole big brick wall. Um, but it's so much nicer to bring people along with you because you just, it has so much more impact. Um, be it the fact that, that trip continued to happen even after you left school um, and for all the other kids that were probably thinking the same thing but maybe didn't have the organisational skills or the just the want to say, I'm going to try this. Um, so it would have opened up a huge opportunity for them as well to go to the show. So that's yeah, awesome. Yeah. What a cool story. See, I love yeah. this. I love hearing stories about things people did when they were younger. <laughs> yeah, so I mean. Just um, so we fast forward from. Yeah, and it's so true though. Like I, I think sometimes we can hear these stories and, and just think, oh, that was a point in time in my teen years or whatever. But when you see those underlying traits that you can then see in adult life, it's it's always really interesting. Always, I think, was going to be so the one to find we fast forward to Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Um, so we fast forward to 1996, 97, um, but I, I'm kind of thinking I'd like to hear what was happening before Braveheart. So were you working in this particular field beforehand or how did this kind of come about? Because obviously you you launched Bravehearts in 97, um, but what kind of work or career path was there beforehand for you? Accounting, bookkeeping, um, administration and politics, uh, not, kind of in that order. So uh, I actually have a, I had a, spent my whole life just doing administration work and I studied accounting. I never finished it, but I've worked as an accountant for many years. And then I, um, Kayleen, our youngest, was born. And so I stayed home for a couple of years and I got involved with a community campaign in Queensland. By then we were living in Queensland. Um, which was to wipe out Australia's largest remaining koala habitat. Uh, government planned to build a road, which they're on again about now, um, between the Gold Coast and Brisbane that would have taken out all of these animals, and um, plus uh, just the other flora and fauna uh, that would have been wiped out with the koala. And I happen to live very close to that, and I'm not very good when I haven't got a lot to do. I'm kind of dangerous. So uh, my husband said to me, it's his fault. I blame him. 
he said, go down to that campaign and put your name down on that piece of paper, be a volunteer and, you know, get involved. So I did. And the more involved I got, the more I learnt about government uh, lies. So they went to the election saying that they wouldn't build the road. They they, They floated the idea before the election and they realised that there was a that it wasn't going to float, it wasn't going to get them elected. So they pulled back on it and said, okay, well, we won't build it. And then after the election, they they changed their mind and said, well, actually, we, we are going to build it. You've got you've got three choices. You've got, you know, route A, B or C. And we went, well, there's one more. And that is not happening, Jan. And so we all, I joined the group. We all got motivated and it was pretty um, exciting. It was tiring, exhausting, frustrating. Um, but ultimately we won and the government didn't build that road and instead upgraded the M1 between Brisbane and the Gold Coast as it is today. Um, it was always going to be, uh, I think, a, something. Well, anyway, I learned, I learned from that campaign about how to motivate people, um, how to get them out of their lounge chair. We had some of the, we had the biggest demonstrations since the Vietnam War here. Um, during that campaign up in the Daisy Hill State wow. Forest. So it was pretty That's awesome. That's amazing. How to, um, I learned about the media and a lot of them became my friends and still remain my friends today. I learned a lot about everything. about pol- I learned a lot about myself. It was a, the first time I ever spoke was publicly was to 7,000 people. So, um, And then uh, the leader of the Australian Democrats at the time, Senator Curnow, asked me to come and work for her. Um, in her office and I said no at first and then there was a few other things that went on I created this idea which I took to government long story short in the end I said look I'm going to do this I am I'm going to um, if you still want me I'll so I worked for Senator Curnow for a while which was another learning curve and I think all of these happens Mm. I I believe things happen for a reason so I've got the administration background, yeah. got all that business background, so I know that stuff. Now I've learned about community campaigning. I'm about to learn about politics in more depth. So I had the idea about the state one. I had that under control really, but then I had to learn about federal politics and I did that through Senator Curnow and she was a great teacher. That experience was amazing. Yeah. And, but it was 1996 when the federal election was on. Um, I was running as a candidate mm-hmm. in the seat of Fadden not because I thought I would win, because the Democrats never won um, at the lower house seats or anywhere else really except the Senate, um, but to support Cheryl mm-hmm. and the party and the, and the whole idea of keeping the bastards on us, which is, as I speak to you, I look, if I look up, I can see a poster that says, keep the bastards honest. It's an old Australian Democrats poster. I love it. So dear to my heart still today, and I was, particularly when I see what's going on, it's just mm. awful. We need a, you know, we do need a federal um, commission of um, integrity commission. There's no, in my mind, there's absolutely no doubt, no reason why you wouldn't have one. Anyway, why, why would we object to one? Yeah. So, um, so that was me, I suppose, in the making. 1996 federal election was on, and I said to my darling husband, "Why don't you take our daughter, go to New Zealand, visit your family, so I can put my blinkers on as I do and just concentrate on what I'm doing, and you know." get as many votes as I could possibly get and just do work hard and so he did and that's when our daughter disclosed and so that was the beginning of a whole new life so before that I had I didn't even really understand what child sexual assault was I'd never given it a thought it's not something that ever came into my life and I'm really embarrassed to say that but I wasn't Robinson Crusoe I mean Mm. I think unless things happen to you you just don't think about it and I thought like everyone that my family was just perfect I mean, Very it wasn't true. going to happen in my family. So, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah I think we all think that. In some and, um, so, you know, so that was it. So that was my life before Bravehearts. And then, of course, my whole life, I tried to continue with what I was doing, but I just couldn't focus anymore. I just, I knew, I knew. I Look, I lived in Logan at Daisy Hill. Across the other side of the highway is Woodridge and Kingston and Slaps Creek, it's a really tough subject, mm. uh, suburbs in there. Yep. Awesome people live yeah. in there, just like everywhere else. But there is a lot of youth um, uh, unemployment in there and a lot of crime and things like that, drugs, and, um, domestic violence and alcohol. Mm. And when I when it happened to KJ, it was the, you know, I got on the internet and I looked for, okay, I didn't understand, I need to get a hold of the, my head around this really quickly now. 
So who commits these offences? Why do they commit them? And what happens to the people, the children who are harmed? What happens to them? And I read this whole list of intractable, unavoidable or not, not, um, can't say the word, I don't know why, mental health issues. So we're talking about suicide. Yeah. Which for me just went, ah, as a mother. Um, We're talking about, you know. Oh, definitely. Depression and anxiety and eating disorders and sexual confusion, sexual dysfunction, um, community, adult, just relationships with other adults and just the list was endless. And I just thought, none. How do I? None of that's going to happen to my child. None of that can happen. I'm not going to let that happen. Yeah. So how do I stop it? Right. So I didn't know if I could or I. And of course, no one gets away from this. Um, If you're, you know, harmed as a child, you're not going to walk away unscathed. There's always something. No. No. Even for me as a survivor, I am very conscious that uh, all those things you listed are things that uh, I haven't necessarily been affected by each and every one of them but there's been elements of some of them that I have just had in my life and it's really interesting when I speak to people because when they find out or when I share that information they're they're quite surprised and they're like but you're so this and that and whatever they've got the list of things that they see kind of on the surface and and I said yeah but that's that that takes work it takes great support it takes all of the um you know external resources but also the work that as survivors, we do ourselves and, and um, yeah. But, it, like, um, as you said, back in 96, 97, I can't imagine there was a lot going on um, to support survivors, especially in Australia. No, and just listening to you speak, I want to jump through this screen I'm looking at and give you a great big cuddle and, um, and oh. just you are a brave heart, no question about it. I mean, just being able to speak out and say mm-hmm. it out loud takes courage um, because mm-hmm. of the culture. Mm-hmm that surrounds yes. this issue. Um, and, yes, yeah. you're right, back in yeah, 1996, there was nothing. There was, I got on the phone, it was the middle of the night, of the doctor, I had some neighbours who were GPs, they came over and just drugged me because I just said, i just got to get out of my head, I can't, I don't know what to do. It was all overwhelming. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't yeah. even think straight. I was just, in, I was a zombie. And uh, But I woke up in the middle of the night and I got on the net and this is where I found everything, you know. And I, so I had a how to vote because we were heading off to the election. So I had the how to votes that are thrust at you as you're walking through the gate. Had a big pile of those. So I turned one of those over and started writing down the names of all of these agencies um, that I found online. And then in the morning, as soon as they opened, I was on the phone and I rang and I rang and I rang and I got find no help in Australia at all. There was no counselling support. Mm for ourselves and our daughter, um, who was then seven in Australia, anywhere that I could find, no one to talk to. Um, so I just yes. found that, like, and I'm a resourceful person. I, if, there's, if it's there, I'll probably find it eventually when my head is right. Yeah, you'll um, find it, yeah. Imagine, you know, so then I look and and then so we and we had the money so we eventually found the support and and then we could pay for it. But then I look across the freeway and I see all these beautiful children and families suffering, no help for them. No one's allowed to say anything. No one's talking about this issue. Yeah. God help us if we say the words out loud, people run. Mm. I've got a story about that one too. Yeah. Um, so I just mm. I just knew we had to do something about it. So whilst I tried to get on with my life, I, at the same time I knew I couldn't. I had to do something. Yeah. So with that so you've done your research you've you've hit all these roadblocks you've realized that in Australia at that time we didn't have much support and and also money was a big factor um being really conscious that certain demographics and certain areas and certain people just weren't going to be able to afford the resources that may have been available take us to kind of closer to where we are now what how how have you moved Brave Hearts from kind of 1997 where it was a, a new idea to the support that you provide to people today? Oh, that's just been an ongoing, that's been an absolute battle because nobody wanted to hear about it. No one wanted to even hear the words and government especially because if they hear the words and people hear the words, God forbid the community understands that one in five children will be sexually assaulted in some way before they turn 18, they might actually want the government to do something about that. And um, 
that takes money and of course yeah so I've been um and as an as an NGO or a government you know and not not for profit you are reliant heavily on government actually for funding if you want to survive um but of course we couldn't do that Mm. because I was out there banging my head against government I was criticizing government I mean we brought down a whole department statutory department of family services here in Queensland by exposing the the uh, foster care uh, you know drama it was the first inquiry in the country that looked into foster care everyone's had it now we need to do it again but anyway um so government weren't real keen on me they wanted they wanted silence the three things that will perpetuate this issue is silence secrecy and shame and then add fear. Yeah, those things are what keeps this yep. issue under. And I was mm-hmm. the I was the poster girl to break all of that into as many little pieces as I could possibly do. So I wasn't making a lot of friends yeah. um, inside government. And the media, however, were very uh, supportive, and so too as far as they could legally. There's a whole bunch of legislation that had to change, which we were mm-hmm. at the forefront of to make sure yeah. that could happen, even that this could happen. The very first fight I had was my freedom to be able to speak i see the let her speak um young lady now on um i'm just so excited for her and i'm so happy to see her there as a a nominate she's been nominated and has won the tasmanian you know australian of the year and i hope she wins it because um we do need to let people speak about this issue so i guess we're not fighting so much now as we were then that was our biggest issue break the silence on child sexual assault that was on everything we did I think we've done that now. I look around and I see all these beautiful voices out there where um, for a long, long time I was a voice in the wilderness. And, of course, you you said it yourself. I mean, yeah. people think you're crazy. Like you, you're very easy to put people who are trying to break mm-hmm. a cultural norm. And, and But I'm, I'm very careful that every time I spoke I did it with the facts and the research in my pocket. I knew I don't say anything unless I can back it up with research. And so, therefore, I was telling the truth and it's very hard to shut the truth down. And, you know, even some of the more sceptical journalists yeah. went looking and thought, well, hey, she's right. And it's the same with the family court issue we're having at the moment in Australia. I, I maintain that our family court of Australia, as it stands now, is the most dangerous institution this country has ever seen for children and hopefully ever will see again and it needs a lot of work it's no one's fault it's not the judge's fault or this one's fault or that one's fault it is a systemic issue a national issue and um it's one we have to address but we're 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 moving the chairs on the titanic again we're dancing we're dancing around and we're not getting to the crux of it and it's that's my um campaign at the moment i'm still passionate about that i'm having a bit of a break from it because it's soul destroying but um i will be back to it so yeah. we, we sort of moved. I guess it was no education. The biggest problems were that the community didn't understand this issue. Everybody, like I used to, thought this mm-hmm. doesn't happen in my family. This happens someone else. This happens where there's drugs or alcohol or yeah, totally. where there's a mean man in the family or you know where there's I don't know somewhere else, but just not here behind our little white picket fence. Here is safe, right? Uh, we don't want to believe that the people mm-hmm. that we know and trust and love are actually the offenders. Not obviously not all of them, but that usually offenders are people known no, exactly. to the family, and we don't want to we don't want to hear it. We don't want to hear it if we're passionate and believe and love George Pell and the and the Catholic. We don't want to hear that he's a, that he was charged with this. We don't want to hear it. We don't want to hear about uh, so many high profile people um, who are, you know, and I could name them all, but I won't. Um, yeah. I just, I don't, I don't know, you know. No, it's so it's true. Legal, and I, not, not legal even now to say, but we don't want to hear it. So that's one of the biggest problems. Yeah, it's, it's a difficult topic. It's very difficult. And I think what I, so one of the things that I say quite often um, is that more than one thing can be true. And that's the, th- that's the piece that I find that people struggle with the most. So someone can be, a father or an uncle or a cousin or a and they can be a great teacher or um a leader of a religious group or um a great coach or a whoever and they can be really good and positive in one light but can also be a pedophile absolutely and an abuser and those two things can live in the cavity of a human being and I think that's the bit that 
people really struggle with. I know that even for me, it's the part that I've always kind of been most challenged by because you can see these two things that sit in the same person. But I think that's the thing that makes people have the list of excuses and have the mentality to turn away and say, but that's okay. Or not that it's okay, but like, I'll just turn my shoulder to that because it's too hard and it's in my too hard basket. And it makes me really uncomfortable to understand that this person is this, but also is this in a really negative sense. And I have to acknowledge both elements to acknowledge the fact that these issues and these incidents and this abuse occurs. Um, And I think even just as human beings, we really struggle with the fact that more than one thing can be true. Um, And until we can acknowledge that, until we can acknowledge the fact that you can be a good ex whilst also being this and causing considerable harm, then we're never going to make a difference because we're we're trying to separate the two things. We're almost trying to say in our heads, well, no, that monstrous person that we're going to push outside of our society and we're going to, uh, they've got horns and they're horrible and that's the image we have in our head when we think of abusers Mm. when we don't, and that's why in a lot of cases we don't even pick up it's the neighbour or the uncle or the coach or the whatever because we see the good and um and we're, we're just looking for this ridiculous, monstrous form of a person that doesn't exist. Like, you know, there are some really horrible stories, um, and but in the majority of cases, as you said, like one in five, they're the people next door. They are I've the got great neighbours, so it's not my people next door. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. um, look, that, that is everything. everything <laughs> it's true for me too, the mean there for our family because the, the offender in our family was my husband's father. And he was, I just adored him. I thought he was just the most amazing. He was, yeah. you know, chair, sitting on all kinds of community things. He was just a great guy. We had business, we had businesses together. I mean, he was just oh, a lovely guy. And for the my husband and his brothers or, you know, he was the best father in the whole wide world. He took them hunting and fishing and diving. and He was just awesome. Now, he was the very last person in the world that you would think could be this could have this other oh. side to him. Yep. So you, you, this is exactly right. It's one of the biggest. When you ask me, uh, um, you know, what's what's a, the biggest thing that's the biggest problem? This is it. We don't we don't want to, uh, and we don't want to believe children either. That's the other thing. We know research is showing us time and time again that kids don't lie about this. Ninety five percent of time, plus more even. Children, up to 95 to 98%, children have been found to be telling the truth. Um, And for those that are not telling the truth, they're confused. They're confused about something or other. So we shouldn't. And yet our system doesn't listen to children. It doesn't provide the spaces or the skill sets or the importance around capturing the testimony of children in a free narrative as, as early as possible. We just, we go, no, they're just, they're, they're, they're lying or they're, they're telling furfies or, you know, whatever, whatever. Yeah, because we have, this, we have that cultural belief and it's up against this wonderful person could never do that. You know, this wonderful coach who's a magnificent yeah. swimming coach, absolutely amazing, world-renowned musicians and goodness knows whomever, could not possibly do that. Rolf Harris. But then... When you look at the facts, of course they do because it's too sus. So you, so yeah, so that I think, I think that the Royal Commission as well, which is something else we had a great big hand in along for a lot of years, um, had a lot to do with bringing about a, a, a level of awareness that's greater. But it still needs to improve. Still, parents don't believe their children. Children are silenced by the offenders who. You know, the more friendly the offenders, they have to be friendly. I mean, no one's going to let their child go anywhere near some, uh, some you know, man in a black coat who's this grizzly man and yeah, looks like a freak. Um, I mean, of course you know, they're yeah. good and they're wonderful people and they're doing wonderful things and, and they're, you know, charity workers and all the rest of it because that's where all the vulnerable children are, right? So they have mm. to be that person yeah. to get access to those to those kids and they have to be trusted. So firstly... They work on the adults around the child. That is the first protocol. They make sure that we trust them. 
And then once they've got that relationship under mm. control and the child is watching that, they can see there's a great, hello, we love you, come on in, oh, aren't you great, this is beautiful. We start trusting them to, oh, look, I'll take little Johnny to the to the sporting thing today if you like because I can see you're busy, I'm going that way, I'll just drop him off. So, of course, you would if a stranger walked in the yeah. door, you'd say no way, but this person has already started. Mm. And so, as you said before, quite rightly, it's a slow, meticulous carefully thought out attack on the child and that and it's no less than that's what it is mm, and yeah. not only can it be you know terribly damaging it can also too often way too often be fatal not at the time the child is being harmed yes but in the years that follow and it is like a delayed murder in my opinion it's just such a mm. yeah you know it's such a, a horrific crime and in itself for sexual assault, but to sexually mm. assault a child. And no sex offender out there can claim they don't understand what the potential uh, manifestation and, uh, of that is going to be. No one, not one of them can say that they did not understand that child may go on to have super, you know, terrible issues and problems that might even drive them to take their own life, and yet they do it anyway. And I guess this is where my hardness comes in. Yeah. This is where I go, okay, we know these people mm -hmm. are just people. We know these people can, maybe some of them can get better. But we also know that they did what they did in full knowledge of what that might mean for that little person. Mm. And that yep. that is not acceptable, yep. which is why we push for harsher sentences because not because I, I care how long someone's in jail, whether it's five minutes or 50 years. It's about their dangerousness. I don't want them out here and I don't think any of us should should unless they are deemed safe and able to be monitored. Not not a little bit safe, medium risk, high risk, they're still releasing them, high risk, medium risk, still releasing them. You know, we fought hard for that legislation. That's ours yeah. to keep them behind bars even after their um, prison sentence. Yeah. So I think what so what we've done is we've, uh, we've, we've definitely been at the coalface of driving this whole conversation, but we are at a point now and we, we, you know, we do education. There's nothing about this that we don't do except working with adult offenders. We work with young people who are committing offences and we work with children who are acting out, um, but we don't work with adults. And we do everything else, education, counselling, uh, support work, redress for the Royal Commission. There's, there's nothing else that we don't. We, do, we don't do it in a big way because we don't get the government support we need to do it. For the most part, we get... Um, a good support from the federal government um, out of the Royal Commission, um, and we we're not we don't have the money to go and do all the marketing that we need to do to get the community support either. So even though everywhere I go, I, and I mean everywhere I go, even overseas, I bump into Australians, and they say to me, you know, where well, are you that person? Yes, thank you for what you do. We've not managed to find out how to translate that into, well, could you please deposit $10 a month into our account and help us to keep doing it? And it's a struggle. Yeah. And it continues to be. And I guess that, that's one of, yeah, and I guess that's one of the questions I'd, I'd really love to get an understanding of. Um, there, there are obviously lots of different ways that people can support and engage. So I know that there's um, programs where um, you've got a mascot that goes into schools and does education. You know. So anyone that's listening that kind of works in that space wants to engage um, Bravehearts to come in and do some education um, within their school groups, That that's a great way of, one, getting the message in to oh, schools and so in um, to our children's ears um, in a really safe space. So effective. That program has seen over one. And then million. also from a donation perspective. Yeah, yeah. And then also from a donation perspective. So um, I recently, um, last month in December, um, was my birthday. And so instead of receiving gifts, um, I got people to donate to Brave Hearts. And that's just a really easy way of donating. Um, people, like, we're at a point in most of us where people just don't need things. Like, I don't need any more gifts. <laughs> um, so it, for me, it was just. I was like, well, where would I prefer that money to go in, as opposed to just more stuff that probably ends up in landfill at one point or another sort of thing? Like I don't need more things. Um, so donations are easy. You can become a regular donator from my understanding. Um, but, yeah, things like birthdays or fun runs, there's lots of stuff. So um, there's a is there a fun run or some kind of stuff happening at the moment as well? Oh, there's 
there is always something happening at Bravehearts, and the best thing to do there is to get onto the onto the website to find out what's going on. We've got this triple seven, which if you're a real runner and a marathon runner, um, is seven marathons consecutively. In, so seven marathons over seven days, consecutive days, in seven different states. So you run, eat, fly, sleep, run, eat, fly, sleep, wow. and you do that for seven days on the run. My husband and my daughter both did that um, couple, two years back. Um, it is gruelling. That's amazing. Oh, it's just, I don't know why anyone would do it, to be honest, but they do and they love it. And they, everyone's considered, they're going to do it again. I mean, I, can't, I look at them and they're dragging their feet, they're in tears, they're trying to get across the thing, but they're doing it and it makes, it makes me want to cry. They're doing it because every step is for children because if they do it, then they are sponsored, they they mm-hmm. raise money and um, and they help these little people. These are just children. So it's it's really important. And then there's just all of the fun things you can do. You can have morning teas. There's White Balloon Day every year, which is the national, the national Australia's national um, event raising um, opportunity, um, op- um, issue raising opportunity around child sexual assault. It is to break the silence. And you can have morning teas and wear white days at school. And mm. that is very well supported in the community and schools and daycare centres and across businesses. So get involved in that. But just you can make regular donations. Donate your time and your skills. There's so much. If you want to be involved, like you, and thank you so much for everything you do. You're just, if everyone was like you, we'd be, you know, we wouldn't, we just wouldn't have a problem. So, um, yeah, if you want to help, you can. Yeah. You just, just get in touch with us and we'll, we'll um, let you know how. Yeah, and we will make sure that all of the links are in our show notes. So um, on our show notes um, here in the podcast episode, but also on our social media, we'll be tagging Brave Hearts. Um, so anyone that's listening that, you know, just really hears the, there's such a story behind our stories and there's so much emotion and, and we both do very well to just hold ourselves together and talk about this in such a diplomatic, level-headed um, way, but we both have really personal stories when it comes to um, childhood sexual abuse and assault, and that in itself takes the level of bravery. and And I totally understand why Braveheart has the name that it does. Um, and so, if you are a listener and you're thinking, "Oh, be it you're a listener and and you've been sitting in silence for a really long time," I'm really conscious that um, that there could be um, most likely someone listening to this right now that. Is um is still in their silence, and that's that's completely okay. Um, we understand why. Um, but please reach out. There's um we'll be making sure to put some resources as well that you can reach out to if you have listened to today's episode and and it's triggered anything for you, or if you just want to talk to someone. Um, as as Hetty has said, they work specifically with children. Um, but there are definitely some other resources that we'll put in our show notes as well. But there's a lot you can do. And if you are a listener and you're just thinking, hey, I'd really love to just support $10, like even just whatever you can give um, organisations like this, especially because of the lack of government funding, we need your support. And um, and so that's really important. And so in addition to obviously just sharing this story and, and how this organisation came about in the first place, um, an opportunity for some more fundraising is, is never going to be denied. So that's fantastic. Um, so, Hetty, one more question I have for you in, in the context to the work that Brave Hearts do, or I guess just your understanding after the years and years of being in this space, what's the first thing or what's the first thing that comes to mind that you think that be it parents or other adults who are looking after kids should be kind of looking out for? I know we talked about that whole more than one thing can be true and the awesome coach who builds the trust and almost grooms the whole family as such. Um, there's that element. But is there anything else that we should be looking out for, maybe even in, in our kids, that we should look for um, just so we can be a bit more aware of the changes in behaviour or anything like that? That's exactly right, changes in behaviour. So if you've got a child who's very, you know, a happy kid, who's always running around and running amok and all of a sudden they, they change, that that changes and they become, you know, they don't want to run around anymore or they don't want to go to Auntie Mary's. I'm sorry if there's an Auntie Mary out there. Um, I don't mean you. <laughs> um, to yeah, uh, sorry uh, to the Auntie Mary. Um, 
yeah, it's, it's always awful. I say light bulb. Whoever, auntie light bulb, you know. Um, uh, yeah, I know. It's so hard. It's so difficult. So they don't want to go to a, a person's place. Then you you have to you have to hear that. I would say get down on the little chair. We as adults don't listen to our children. We we don't we don't listen to them because they're talking child child speak and we're talking adult speak and and the message is lost. So often um, parents say to me and kids, I told my parents that they didn't do anything, and you and then you talk to the parents. They go, they never told me. And it's this lack of communication. So if, if your child or a child you love or is, is in your, says, I don't want to do this or expresses some something like that, I don't want to go to swimming today, I don't want to whatever, whatever, just stop, sit down for a minute and just look them, look at them and ask them why. Don't add your opinion on things. Just sit down and ask why. And children need to trust you, you know. So if you see a child is so therefore clamming up and not talking to you, is uh, changes their behaviour so they're outgoing now they're now they're not their eating patterns change they become moody or uh, secretive um, uh, they, there's gifts showing up around the place that you don't know where they came from they're in their bedroom a lot with the door shut talking on social media just any kind of secretive behaviour or or change in behaviour um, and also the messages they're telling you because you have to. We have to decipher because children won't just come right out and say, oh, excuse me, mummy, so-and-so is touching me on my private part. You know, they're just not, it's not how it works. Um, mm-hmm. They will, because yeah. they, they don't know whether you're going to believe them. They don't know if that means they're going to get in trouble. They've been told they're probably going to get in trouble. Mm-hmm. No one will love you anymore. No one will believe you. You'll be, you know, treated badly. So kids... The, the biggest, the biggest thing I want to say to every parent, every parent, every parent: build a relationship with your child that that gives them everything they need, so there's no gaps for the offender to come in and fill that gap. Right? So they need love and support. Yes, they need discipline. They need to be told what they can and can't do, and you know you need to be able to say no to your child. And no, just you know you yeah, will do course. the dishes. You will do your chores. But at the same time, thank you for doing the dishes. Thank you for doing the chores. You're awesome. You're beautiful. How are you going at school? Are you How are your friends? Find out who they are. Spend time with your kids and, and just talk to them and, and build a relationship yeah. with them so that somebody else can't come in because they will. And I think you mentioned it yourself. They will come in and try and break that relationship. Your parents don't understand you. I do. You know, they'd never let you do this. I would because I understand mm. you're much more mature than that. You're not a baby. They should stop treating you like a baby and all of that conversation and have that conversation with them too, that if anyone tries to do that, that you will believe them. Your children need to know no matter what they tell you, you will believe them and you will support them. And you will, you will always be there. For you. you will not be angry yeah. at them, even if they've broken house rules. They have to believe that you will believe it. And no matter who it is, no matter who it is in their life um, that's done the wrong thing by them and include yourself, yeah. that you will believe it and you will act on it. So if you've done the wrong thing by them somewhere and they say, you know, you said, yeah. you have to accept that and you have to work. That way you've yeah. got a relationship there. Exactly. But, you know, that, 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 that's a very difficult relationship and educate them and educate yourself and as you say yeah. for the ones get on the brave i beg you i beg everybody listening to this to get on the brave hearts website download the free resources from ditto d-i-t-t-o ditto's keep safe adventure it is a personal safety program it is as innocent and non-confronting as anything can be it is over a million kids have seen it it's fully funded mm-hmm. in Cassie. every child over there gets it this will educate your children without frightening the life out of them um, and without, uh, you know, get on and have a look yourself as a yeah. parent if you're concerned. I don't think you should be. No, you know, we go into special schools and primary schools and preschools. So there's nothing in there that's going to offend anybody. Highly effective, though. Highly effective. Yeah, and a exactly. good way to start the conversation without getting into the nitty gritty of, you know, the whole machinations of sexual relationships, et cetera, et cetera, at a, at a young age. Yeah. So up to about six or seven. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that is fantastic. So not only those just great parenting and relationship tips, um, tips just doesn't even sound like it was the right word to justify <laughs> everything that we just talked about, but definitely tips. How to. Um, and, and definitely the resources on the Brave Hearts website. 
as well um, are fantastic. Now, I am actually super curious to hear, you would have met, wow, so many people uh, Mm. in your travels, be it survivors to people in politics to God knows who else. Who's the first person that comes to mind when you think of someone that inspires you? It doesn't have to be a woman. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. Um, And so who's the first person that comes to mind and why? Oh, my goodness. When when I I saw that question, I just went straight to my daughter, um, Kayleen, who at age seven trusted us and told us. Um, She's my hero. Number one, my second hero is my husband because it was my husband she told and he believed her and supported her despite the incredible relationship he had with his father. Mm-hmm. He chose his daughter. Um, so they're my yeah. inspiration every day. Every day um, I just adore them. But in terms of other people outside of the organisation, well, at the time that um, this came a reality for our family, there wasn't a lot of chat going on out there. So it was, I don't know, I, I it probably, I'd say Professor Frieda Briggs, Emeritus Professor Frieda Briggs now deceased, um, was working in this space and she was someone I admired and, and still do enormously. Um, and the other one was Darren Hinch, um, who uh, was, was you know, st- we were starting the conversation and he was terrific um, when we were talking about the Royal Commission and the Anglican Church issue came up with Peter Hollingsworth. I mean, he, he and that's when people started to come out of the woodwork and, and have a, a discussion about this. Um, a guy called Carl Morris, um, mm. who is a Queenslander, he's the chair of the um, Brisbane Broncos and owner, I think, of Ord Manette, et cetera, um, has been somebody I have relied on for over 20 years and uh, he's just uh, somebody I, that inspired He just... He, he amazes me. Um, and for all, Bill Heffernan, former senator, was trying very hard to break silence on this stuff and he came up against the same walls that I do. There's a very organised, well, it sounds like spooky stuff, but it's actually true. There's a very organised group of high-profile and well, well-resourced well people who don't want us to talk about this stuff and who have a lot of ways of... Um, dismantling yeah. any of the good stuff that we do and I think Bill came across a, a lot of that. He inspires me. And a lady called Frank Arena, yeah. who was a politician in New South Wales, who went to the parliament and all these survivors came to her and then she they said, you know, go and do this thing. So she went into the parliament and she named people in parliament. And then she looked, she went in on a white horse with a white flag and then she turned around after she'd done that and that all disappeared into the woodwork. And she was left um, and destroyed her career. But, again, inspiring because she did try. So, And, and we're all trying. Uh, yep. People fell under the sword a lot yeah. back then. And it's all those little steps. Now people, when they're speaking out, are not so locked. It's all those steps all those people. Yeah, so there's not just one. There's a whole bunch. And then, of course, mm. every survivor that has ever spoken out, the only people that know who the offenders are mm. are their victims. And it takes courage to speak out, especially if it's someone known, trusted and loved to you, and then to go to police. So um, to each and every one of those, they're my inspiration. And by the way, on that, we have a thing called the Sexual Assault Disclosure Scheme where people can anonymously but formally identify who their offender is. So the police will never know who they are, you know, who this person is that's disclosing unless they agree yeah. Um, to speak to police. Yeah. But at least police can have some background information. So if a little yeah. five-year-old or six-year-old goes to police, then at least there's some history there. They, can, they will come back to us and ask if that person um, is willing to come forward and, and be a witness. And then, and then that's up to them all the time. The ball's in their court. So there are ways to get around it. But survivors everywhere, I take my hat off to you. Um, to the parents and supporters of survivors also, it's a difficult journey for all of us, but when you look at these numbers, one in five, one in five Australian children, you see the, the extent of this in the community and the devastation that it causes, not to mention the billions of dollars that it costs the country every year. Mm. Um, I am still just in absolute shock and disbelief and whatever 
I don't know why it's not on the national agenda at number one, why our children are not the national priority and why this country isn't the safest place in the world to raise a child because it certainly could be. Hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. And for those of you who are listening to that going, yes, I agree, um, it's time to head over to the Brave Hearts website and and see if you can donate or whatever you can do to support because it's it's work like this that is going to make change and it's all of the people that you just listed, it's each and every one of those people, be it continuously or just once, speaking up, saying what they need to say, um, making themselves vulnerable and uncomfortable because that's really what that comes down to. Um, it's a really uncomfortable, vulnerable space that we step into when we do this work. It is, but be yeah. proud. For every survivor that's ever and, um, be yeah. proud. They need to be so yeah, proud exactly. of and be super proud of yeah. the work that they do. Because if it's not for the, the survivors who speak yeah, out, definitely. then they're still in the community and they're still harming our children. So to that's what I say. They are my inspiration. Yeah. We're serious about stopping this um, ongoing yeah. um, sexual offending against children. Then we need to, like the COVID virus, we need to identify who the carriers are, and we need to isolate them. It's the same thing, and you know, try and heal. Them. That's it. Yeah, it's the same thing. We and we can't do that without survivors. So that's why I say they're my, you know, my my own family as survivors and then everyone else's family I just uh, take my hat off to everyone who's dealt with anything to do with this and manages to stay sane and have a life um, is a hero is an absolute hero yeah well um for those of you who are listening um thank you so much for listening to today's episode um you know this is an easy content to to talk through and and to listen to so i take my hat off to to anyone that's really kind of really paid attention from start to finish because it as i said takes a level of um being uncomfortable and being okay with that um thank you so much hetty for for being a guest on the podcast it is such a pleasure to talk to you um uh, this is kind of the first long conversation we've had we've had a couple of brief messages and things over the over the years but um this is the first time we've really had a proper chat so it has been such a pleasure to have you on the podcast and um you know thank you for all the work that you do and um and i can't wait to see what else you and the brave hearts team continue to achieve um as the foundation continues to grow thank you for having me you are amazing Keep thanks so much thank you for joining us today and for being a part of this incredible community Remember to hit subscribe, to share this episode with your friends and family, and to join us in our next episode to be inspired by more exceptional women.